0: This podcast is sponsored by Adaptive Path. Adaptive Path helps to create products and services that deliver great experiences and improve people's lives. Learn about upcoming events like UX Week, the UX Intensive Workshop at AdaptivePath.com events. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to promote thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For more events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. San Francisco. I had the pleasure of interviewing participants from the conference about their experiences of the event and presentations they attended. We start with a mashup of these brief interviews, followed by a roundtable discussion with Editor-in-Chief of Boxes and Arrows, Chris Baum, and four members of the Adaptive Path team, including Brandon Schauer, Henning Fisher, Sarah Nelson, and Ryan Freitas, about these comments and their own impressions of MX. On behalf of Boxes and Arrows, I'd like to take this time to thank the entire team at Adaptive Path for this phenomenal opportunity to attend the conference and learn from the entire community at MX. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers.
1: Affirmation, <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, just find out you're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think with, uh, I think there's this kind of calling back to the fact that this is such a new set of skills. Okay. Yeah. And to how to manage that in a creative environment, I think this is this really good stepping stones here. Exactly. I like it a lot. Nice. Yeah.
0: And yourself?
1: Uh, I think it's interesting. I went to the conference last year, which was much more inspirational, I think, and this year is much more uh, functional. Okay. And I think that maybe speaks a little bit to the fact that there actually is a discipline of, of design management within this within this area starting to develop.
2: Well, it's definitely um, making me think a lot about the way companies are constructed right. and, um, and giving me a greater appreciation for the company I'm already working in. Um, and uh, the speakers themselves so far have been really entertaining, which is great, because, you know, sometimes that's not the case. Um, and I'm, I love the Star Wars tie-in. I
0: think the range of speakers is really quite extraordinary, and the range of experienced designs is really unusual. And the networking opportunities here are fantastic. Everybody's really open, approachable, accessible, so it's a great environment.
3: Yesterday... Um, I really liked what Sachel has to say, but I've always liked that. Um, I think what's really positive about this is the concreteness. So people are coming in here and they're giving us concrete examples of how to do this, which is really important. I think one of the problems that we have is um, it's easy to say that you should focus on the customer so that you can innovate or do whatever, you know, and it's easy to say you should focus on your employees. It's really hard to do it in action. It's really hard to drop that baggage yeah. and just kind of get you know, get out of the hat that you're wearing and out of your mindset and out of your perspective entirely. So all these concrete examples are helpful because it gives you an idea how somebody else did it, and then maybe it will give you an example for your own self. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So you asked me about kind of a summary of this conference. And it actually came from my dad this morning. I talked to him. He's in the hospital. Sorry. He uh, just uh, just surprised got in there and he's going to be okay. But uh, he was a pilot. He was an airline pilot for TWA all of his life back in the day. Okay. And um, he had a problem with the, the little alarm going off. He was telling me about how he pressed the nurses button and the alarm just kept beeping. The nurses didn't come. And he wondered what they were up to. And I asked him, you know, could you find out? And he said, oh, you know, No, I don't know what they were up to. It couldn't have been that it was just one person at the nurse's station, because you can't fly a plane alone. I thought, my gosh, that little phrase, you can't fly a plane alone, is very telling for our industry and all the situations we're in. We're used to coming from a background of doing it all ourselves, and now the plane is no longer a Cessna, it's a jet. And we're taking off, and we need a crew, and we need to organize that crew the way they need to be organized yeah. to get it done. That's so. brilliant. I love yeah.
0: that analogy. I thought that was
3: a good one. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Cheers.
0: <laughs> so we just had a, an incredible conference, and as you heard on the the intro, I, I went around and interviewed some people and uh, sharing their experiences from the conference itself, what they got from it, their ideas and insights that have been generated, and. Uh, I mean, everyone I've talked to from the conference from this point forward, from the time I got here throughout the entire process, has been just thrilled with it and uh, really, really innovative ideas that are coming out and, and inspiration and really motivated by, by some of the things that they've seen. So maybe we'll just share some of your own own experiences. Uh, Chris, maybe we'll start with you and, and sort of what, what your favorite experiences were here at the conference and what you've taken from it.
4: So, I mean I really like the the people aspects about it. I think that, you know that as as designers, we have had so much focus on the user as as the person that we're focused on. but now I think we're starting to learn that we're not the the user's not the only person we need to worry about um so it was really amazing to see especially chip's presentation because he's actually using the person as the focus being his workers, his customers, and his investors. He's actually using all the financials all of the systems and structures are there to actually support that. And then actually Ryan your presentation was great. I mean what I mean not just going to the restaurant last night was very interesting but it's also that you know that tangible thing that everybody can relate to. Everybody's been in a restaurant so it's kind of interesting to see behind the curtain.
5: Uh, for me, I, I really wanted people to leave the conference with the sense that it was okay and it's comfortable and it's a great idea to try to lead within your organization to really change things from an experience point of view. But that doesn't mean, like Chris was saying, doing it alone or only focusing on the user. It means many different things. and. Um, We saw a lot of different approaches a lot of people were using, and I think it came down to what works in your organization. There are some tie-ins through the whole thing of things like um, being comfortable with experimentation, um, uh, showing value, communicating what experience really is. But how you do that is really dependent on, you know, what's your organization good at? What are its problems? What, what is it passionate about? Um, So that's what I really took away from the conferences is hopefully inspiring people that, that they can do that within their own, their own world.
0: Yeah, and that was a the theme that ran throughout the entire conference was this idea of corporate culture and how important <laughs> culture is to design as, as um, Randolph. Um, Cordell, pardon me, Cordell uh, mentioned in, in his presentation and, and we saw it in other, came up in other ones including Chips this morning. He was talking a lot about corporate culture.
1: I was really surprised to see that emerge as strongly as it did. I think it's something that we uh, had programmed deliberately towards mm-hmm. but it came out much stronger than it did and the thing that struck me about this, I'm actually comparison to the ones that we've done in the past was the kind of spectrum uh, of kind of having uh, the corporate culture aspects to it. And we had a lot of really great talks about leadership and understanding how your teams work. Margaret Gold-Stewart was just fantastic. Yeah, from Google. Yeah, yeah from yeah. Google. Yeah. Um, in kind of communicating and giving us some you know fun things to maybe try with our teams. I'm not necessarily the type to pass out cards. But there are ideas contained in that um, that I think are really fantastic. But then we also had a couple of folks just go back to the tried and true things that we still need to do really well, and that's uh, things like Bjorn Hartman talking about prototyping. And admittedly, he's really far out there, very far ahead of us as an industry. But you know, to have that kind of connection between you know the cultural things that we have to do now, plus the basics that we still have to continue to execute on well, I think it you know made the whole thing um, have a breadth. Uh, that I was really surprised by. I didn't anticipate feeling that way coming out the other side of it.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought there was just so there are so many things. I mean, I think one of the, one of the things like, I think it's, I'll echo a couple of things that have been said, but the chip <coughs> finally is people out that you sort of the business becomes successful when you start at the very roots and thinking about you know um, Margaret uh, Goldstourt sort of saying that there are things that we know as designers to do mm-hmm. and that turning those not just towards the end users and the customers, but also towards our, using them towards ourselves. So she did the cards, I thought, was just a great example of that. She's an information architect. She, loved, she used an information architect's kind of tool kit in order to um, actually address the people issues of her team. I thought that was really interesting. And, it, and then um, Ryan Armbrister talked about just flexible and adaptive systems, that you design systems that adapt rather than are complete out-of-the-box. And it seems like that's so much of what is going on um, amongst amongst many of the people here in the conversations that I've heard. Okay. And the, the one thing that I circled on my little notebook here is that there's the, the Peter principle, there's that kind of sense that as we, as, you know, we sort of started as designers in an industry where many of us made those tools as yeah. we were growing, now we're kind of moving into this management thing. And so we're kind of making the tools as we, as we go and trying to figure out what our strengths and weaknesses will be and how to kind of cope with those. Yeah. Of
0: this. IBM's Mike Moran wrote a book uh, recently called Doing It Wrong Quickly around search engine marketing. And I think that sort of sentiment has been echoed throughout the entire process as well. right? You know, like uh, the, uh, the presenter from Virgin today, for example, was talking about, uh, screw it, just do it. In other mm-hmm. words, don't worry. Don't worry about making mistakes. Don't worry about you know. Just get the ideas out there and iteratively work through the process till you get something that you can you know you you feel that your users are going to you know want or need. And if they don't, well then you know learn from those mistakes and keep building as you go.
1: I've been impressed by the number of Virgin failures that there have been as well, and yet they still come out with some amazing mm-hmm. stuff from time to time. Yeah. And when they come out with stuff that's right, boy, it's really right. Yeah.
6: And it's, I mean, it's primarily about shots on goal. I mean, they take, a, they take a hard stance before they go into a market, and they assume that it'll either work or not. It's not going to be. They don't have middling success. Um, I mean, they have, you know, they've had some severe competition in the mobile space, especially in the U.S., um, but it's been interesting. Every time they do something, they obviously set a mark, and, and it's reflected in their marketing materials and everything that goes along with it. Um, the thing that I've noticed with kind of conversation over the past few days is something that was reflected in some of the comments. Right. This distinction between inspirational versus functional. Uh, the word that got actually repeated a couple of times was concreteness. Mm-hmm. This uh, having something to actually build a foundation on and, and kind of go back into an organization and really test out and see if you can actually build from that towards a way to manage experience. Um, that, I think, is probably, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting that we have, I mean, my talk was Technically, about ideas from other from other industries, uh, and, and I was one of several people. But I think looking back and in that context, there were pieces within my talk and other people's talks that, as inspirational as they might be, or uh, referencing to other
0: things, could be taken into an organization tomorrow and, and be given a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot. I think a lot of a lot of the times people are are, in, from a user experience perspective, in my from my experience anyway, um, people are always looking for quantitative data. They're looking for hard numbers and and. It's, been a, it's a hard sell for me to say, look, not, not everything can be based on hard statistical data. You know, you have to spend, if you spent less time trying to capture data and statistics and more time listening to the people who you're designing for, not telling them and not shaping the questions that are going to lead them to the answers you want. But literally sitting down in a room and listening, I was talking to Henning about how I was talking with the the chocolatiers here and how we got them in a room. It was a short discussion, but it was a really interesting perspective because it forces me to think outside of the box in terms of, well, you don't have to look at IT people for user experience issues, right? You can really start to look at at, at, at other other professions because like uh, the chief of a fire department knows all about leadership right? I mean, every time the bell rings, if he's not on his game and he can't lead his crew into, into a burning inferno, I mean, he, that's, that's a real issue. I mean, he's putting his life on the line mm-hmm. and that of his crew every single day. So why not take the time to learn from those other professionals as well?
5: And I think that um, you can do that for learnings across in any any industry. You can pull in ideas from outside or different disciplines to to build on, but I think it's especially important for user experience because we are such, such a very young industry still in our infancy. And there are other creative disciplines and practices that, there, that are out there that we should look at, learn from, blatantly steal from mm-hmm. to build, you know, how do we manage these things? How do we do them better? Um, how do we be more effective at our jobs? Because they were all in
4: the same spot at one time and yeah, they all right. did the same yeah. exact thing. Yeah.
6: I mean, the, I mean, the thing that we keep coming back to in the conversation is that we're at this nascent stage of the development of the practice, and we're moving it beyond where it is, but each time there's any kind of jump forward, we're, we're dealing with how uncomfortable we all feel, and we're, I mean, looking to one another, and, and, and MX is, is part of uh, looking to one another and trying to get some of that conversation going so we can talk about where we feel most comfortable extending the learnings that we've achieved so
0: far. I think another thing too. I was watching a video with Larry Lessig, uh, the famous IT lawyer on TED a while ago, and he was talking about how, you know, our parents have moved from a, a read only generation to a read write generation. Mm-hmm. So even the way we share information, the way we the way we experience things is very different than the way the way they did, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a you know we have the largest generation in North American history, the baby boomers, who are still leading a lot of these organizations. But who, who are sort of caught up in this idea of trying to give up control and share knowledge and, and share process right mm-hmm. And what what we're talking about at NMX and all the presenters are talking about are, are processes that are really about giving up control. And I think I, in terms of we talk about corporate culture a lot here and I think that's a that has a huge impact on the ability to get buy-in to try new things and, and ultimately to innovate.
6: So I would definitely agree with you there. I mean it's uh, trying to trying to show why and how some of these practices work and and what they're going to be able to do in order to transform organizations that are, as you said, kind of stuck in a generational gap. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's hard. It's hard to get by. It's hard to to prove to people to point at something and say, this could work for us because we don't have as much of a track record. But we're we're working on it and Mm -hmm. we are starting to gain our successes and be able to recognize I mean, we're not annexing established ideas uh, for the sake of just calling them our own. Right? We're not. I mean, I, I, I would reject that. I would reject that as an argument. What I, what I think we're trying to do is reach out and see what works and what influences we can gain by, by saying, hey, look, that looks similar or familiar to what I'm trying to do in my day-to-day.
4: And not seeing failure as an end. I mean, Richard Branson is the best example that, that you might ever see. I mean, the guy had two businesses he loved, and he gave one up. And then look, look what's come from that.
2: Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. And he never forgot it <laughs> He won't let anyone else.
5: We've also talked a lot, though, about failure at a small level. Right. Um, Julie Peters from Virgin talked about little-eye innovation, um, quick things. Uh, left Peter, left Peter <laughs> the left failures yeah. is probably just as valid, exactly. Right. Um, uh, Peter Coughlin from IDEO talked about do a bunch of small things quickly and prototype real-time, real-life environment. You know, uh, maybe, maybe screw going first to the executives and go first to the, to the real people just to see whether it works or not. Right. And a Post-it note in the, in the real world can be a great prototype that can tell you, oh, that's a bad idea, but you know what? It gives me another really great one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just a great way that um, stop, stop waiting for, to build up the ultimate idea and have a giant release. Just do something now. Do something fast and learn. It's like Bjorn's quote, Bjorn's uh, quote that he said today. Um, I think it was something like, uh,
0: "If you want, if you want a really great idea, uh, start generating a lot of good ideas, right? So that idea of don't wait for the, don't wait for the ultimate aha moment, right? Just start brainstorming, get ideas on the table, and that'll eventually generate something that's fantastic, like Virgin, for yeah. example.
5: Ideas are cheap. You have, to have a lot mm-hmm. of them. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I think we, um, as an organization,
6: as an organization, as a as a as a, as a discipline. Mm-hmm. Are trying to be at the at the base of that curve. We're, we're widening our options as opposed to closing ourselves off. Um, I think in different conditions in different organizations, in different political situations, there's a lot of pressure to narrow. There's a lot of pressure to get, a, get at a solution now because it's costing too much, taking too much time. It's dangerous to the organization if we don't have this sorted. Um, it's part of the, the landscape that we're all kind of dealing with is why there's so much of an imperative feel to the way we're doing things right now.
2: One thing I, I thought was interesting speaking about politics is that, that there is I think it was Sachel's talk, actually I saw Sachel's talk, um, Stephen Anderson's talk, Chip Collins' talk, maybe less, but talked about um how to actually function inside of these organizations in a way um, it's not just about kind of getting a seat at the table, but actually then what you do with that. That's specifically what Sachel was talking about. So looking for things, reminding ourselves that sometimes you need to like look for that thing that'll give a quick win. I thought Steven Anderson talking about George Lucas's about American Graffiti a movie I really don't care for um, <laughs> was exactly that, that great example of like, yes, it was like a bubblegum film that you could sure. make and, and gain a certain amount of credibility um, in order to be able to do the, do the things that were going to really make, make a difference. And that's something I think it's in, important for us to remember to not kind of get wrapped up in the user experience. It's going to change the world, and why doesn't everyone get it? I'm just actually starting to have stories that we can actually that will help our other stakeholders understand those things. Yeah, no, I I think the, the
6: the battle right now is trying to win kind of some some small victories on the way to what we're assuming will be a kind of a landscape shift when we finally achieve that, that bright and glorious future that we've
3: been talking, <laughs> talking about for the last decade, yeah. um, in
6: one capacity or another. I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we'll see the promised land, but I think um, <laughs> I think we are on our way towards establishing um, some, you know, some wayfinding, you know, some some markers, some ways to kind of point uh, the the collective that we kind of represent and people who will come after us in the right general direction. I'm hoping we're not, you know, taking any wrong turns, but you know, we we seem to be headed in the, in, in a good way.
5: What's something really pleased me about uh, the MX conference is that we never. Got to the, that point in discussion that you always hear at, at UX conferences of which is the better tool for wireframing, oh, okay. OmniGraph, Visio, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is absolutely a place for that, and, and that's well, a good talk. <laughs> but but what was great uh, is that we kept it on the level of, okay, someone has to lead experience within an organization, someone has to be the voice of it, and what's working for people and what's not so that we can start trading those ideas and figure out what's right in our in the places that we work so that people can really feel comfortable about stepping up and doing that, building up the cases and examples of their mind of people who have been successful at this and, and either using that as part of your communication or just modeling how you going to do things after that. I really love that I think MX is continuing to elevate the discussion above um, what the normal talk is about sort of the practice of UX um, to that level of what does it take to be a creative leader.
4: You've seen, you saw Stephen tie in the graphics from last year into this year. I mean, I thought like that was moment I was like, all right, I get the thread now. I mean, it's it's not just about the interface, though, at that point. It becomes, you know, this thing where you're always doing it person out to back into the thing, the task or the data or the artifact or whatever.
5: Yeah. So a big theme of last year was just recognizing that, you know, products didn't start with technology, products don't start. Um, with operations that it's looking at the the experience and working backwards through an organization to really lead through experience and this year sort of took a pivot step on that and said okay that's a great concept how do we do that (laughs) and started getting into the like okay what's the the on the ground tackling (laughs) maneuvers that you do to to make that happen i mean
6: if if mx starts or or, or becomes like a blocking and tackling clinic for kind of the heavy lifting that we want to do within our organizations and for the practice and i couldn't be happier because it's giving people exactly what they need in order to move both the the practice and the conversation forward um that said i mean we i don't want to sound too self-congratulatory but I think we have figured out how much work we have cut out for us now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of the conversations over the last two days have led us to believe, okay, I mean, even after I put my stuff out there, it's like, this is really damn squishy. You know, it's not, it's not, like, people are talking about concreteness. That's only because there was no, nothing to stand on prior to
0: this. Yeah. So
6: now we're moving towards things that, okay, well, great, we can stand on this. and We can, you know, lay the, lay
4: the next uh, paving stone. But we're not there. I mean, we're we're not even
6: building a road
4: yet. We've got a path. Well, it c- it could still sink. I mean, the, exactly. The we've gotten rid of the of the you know kind of bog, a little bit. We scraped out a place for ourselves. We can lay that first paving stone. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the path is not clear, right. and if we don't continually learn to widen our context, just like you have to widen the ideas that you generate, because you know, that's the only way by experimenting these and these in uh, what uh, Paul Sappho calls the cone of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way we're gonna find how to actually take our best ideas and implement them with the, the vision that we desire. So lots of challenges ahead.
0: Obviously, um, you know, obviously there's no shortage of work. If we want to not sleep for the next five years, we can do that. If we can figure it away, it was that can help us do that. We'll just, <laughs> <the> <laughs> caffeine extraordinary, you know. We'll just sit there and pump it into our systems and keep going. But at the same time, although it, it's a little frightening in terms of you know the the squishiness as you're saying and, and the, the sort of the uh, the the ambiguity of the whole the whole field, it's also I think that's what makes it really exciting. And, and very interesting, and and the idea, because there aren't too many fields left where you can really sort of step outside of the shell of a lot of different areas and innovate and create. A lot of, you know, engineers are very, you know, methodical in terms of their approaches and how they do things, and, and this is user experience and, and IA and, and, you know, interaction design. These are all fields that sort of push the boundaries and try new things, right, and, and, not, and they aren't afraid to fail, right, as we talked about before, which is a rare thing in this day and age. I find most people are afraid afraid to try for the fear of failure. But imagine working in a corporate culture where failure was, you know, actually, you know, you know, encouraged, you know, get out there and try it, doesn't work, that's all right, you know, we learn from that and take the best from that and and look what we can do, which is most likely what Virgin does as an example in terms of when they finally do create the great product, it is, you know, it's it's a huge winner, it's a huge profit maker for everybody. Guys, MX San Francisco has been incredible. Um, I, on behalf of Boxes and Arrows, uh, I want to thank you all for inviting us down here. It's been it's been an incredible, ex- pardon the pun, but it's been an incredible experience. <laughs> um, and uh, I just want to thank everyone for, for the opportunity. Thank you for coming. Cheers. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thanks.